0: About two weeks ago, a friend of mine uh, was helping to run a summer jobs program for new university graduates. In their launch meeting, it was clear that they were feeling anxious about the future. Of course, they were. He asked me if I could speak to them and share a few thoughts around the future of work, how to differentiate themselves, how to develop skills to network in a dramatically changed job environment. My host recorded the session and I thought it might be helpful to many other new graduates and perhaps the parents as they navigate this disruptive time. I also hope that it'll be helpful to anybody really any stage of their career looking for a job right now. If you enjoy it please do share it and would appreciate your comments. Welcome to the Navigating Disruption podcast. I'm your host, Shaquille Barmel. I'm the CEO of Ocean Blue Strategic and partner with The Summit Group. I'm a coach, consultant, and speaker, and I help leaders, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals make an impact through improved performance. In this podcast, I share insights and interviews with interesting leaders to define practical lessons that you can use to make an impact in the face of uncertainty. Given all that's going on in the world, um, what are we supposed to do now? Because everything you had planned for has shifted um, underneath you. And so uh, the conversation I want to have with you today is really a conversation around how to actually not only survive, but thrive, despite what's been going on. Uh, And I want to approach this in a way where I'm going to try to make it a conversation. I'm going to try to tell you some stories and draw on things I've learned in my experience and things I've read uh, myself. Uh, And hopefully by the end of this session, you will feel a bit better about it. But one of the things I believe is very important in in what I'm going to talk about is the idea of resilience comes from two things. One, being optimistic, but it can't be only being optimistic. The other side of resilience comes from the ability to stare at the brutal facts directly, accept them, embrace them. And so we're going to be a bit brutal for a little bit um, at the beginning. But one of the, my favorite uh, quotes, um, and I can't remember which philosopher said it, but something along the lines of, um, life is difficult. And once you accept life is difficult, it doesn't really matter anymore. You kind of accept it and then you move on. And Sultan Ahmad Shah once said, and I remember this from being very young, struggle is the meaning of life. And without struggle, um, man's life does actually have no meaning. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. um, But that's it. Like struggle is part of it. And without it, it, it doesn't have any meaning. And with it, actually, it can be the source of joy and tremendous growth. So... Um, let's dive in. So I want to, want to start a little bit with some storytelling and reflection. Um, so I graduated undergrad, undergraduate, which I guess most of you are in that place right now in, um, wait for it in the early 1990s. Uh, and in the early 1990s, uh, some of you may not know this, but we were in the midst of a recession. Uh, early 1990s, there was the issue of uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, so the U.S. went to war, um, and there was oil price shock. Uh, just a little bit later and around that time, there was the first bombing of the World Trade Center, significant impact on consumer spending, double-digit Uh, interest rates. If you can imagine, I don't know if you know what interest rates are now. Anybody want to put in chat what they if they know what interest rates are right now? Very low. Yeah, great. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, something around 2%, right? You can get a mortgage now for something around 2%. So in the early 1990s, the interest rate was something around 14%. Double digit. And inflation at certain times was around 7%. Anybody know what inflation is right now on average? It's about 2%. Uh, and so think of that. So when I was an undergraduate, I was a business student, and I had, um, uh, was entering the job market this way. So we'll get into a little bit more about what that experience is like, but then I want to jump to when I graduated from, from business school um, many years later, when I was graduating from business school, it was boom times because it was the internet boom 19, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But then we had the bursting of the tech bubble. And a bunch of wealth was destroyed. And lots of jobs were lost. And people that had got jobs and were excited like months later lost their jobs. Uh, and then in 2008, I was um, in a position with a company and the financial crisis happened and our company restructured. And so I had to leave the organization. There was a restructuring and a bunch of jobs were lost. So I've had three experiences in my life at transition points in my career where there were significant shocks in the world. But here's the truth. No matter what that experience was like for me, I'm sorry to say, you guys have it worse. The situation we're in right now is, as you know, unprecedented. Now, I'm not uh, saying this, obviously, to scare you. I'm saying this because as soon as you embrace the fact this is a really difficult situation, you can start moving on and getting on with it, and then we can talk about what are some of the things you can do. Uh, This is a terrible time to be graduating and enter the workforce. But guess what? This is your time, so we're gonna figure out a way to make this time actually work to your benefit. And that's really what I I wanna talk about with you today. I wanna suggest to you that the biggest, most important recognition you can have right now, the biggest competency and skill that you can have right now is that of adaptability one is have this view of adaptability and we'll break it down a little bit Um, but the other part of adaptability is uh, experiencing your ability to strengthen your adaptability through this time because if you are able to strengthen your adaptability through this time it's probably the number one skill that employers are going to be seeking from people they hire is adaptability so if you can leverage this time to build your adaptability a skill a, a skill set, you're going to be in a fantastic position when or as organizations start to hire, because you will have that skill set. And so that's the way to start reframing what's going on right now. And so um, when I talk about adaptability, here's what I want to lay out for you: the idea of being able to be Um, flexible and not locked into one particular path or view of what you wanted to do or your future. It's the ability to kind of come up with multiple options of what you want to do. It's then the ability to um, uh, not be seeking certainty in outcome, but being comfortable with ambiguity and having the skill set to be developing clarity on a daily basis. Of what's happening in the world right now. In gathering information and insight from all the various sources that are available to you, both people, knowledge that's out there, and taking that information and interpreting it in a way that's giving you some clarity on what's going on today. Because there will be a market advantage to people that have the skill set to take in multiple perspectives and get some clarity on not just one possible situation or outcome, but several. To be able to say based on what I'm seeing and hearing and reading, here's three possible things that could happen. And if A happens, here's the few possible outcomes that there could be. And the ability to frame your thinking in that way is gonna put you in a distinct advantage out there. Um, Part of that and related to that is developing the skills and tools for ongoing daily learning and owning your learning journey. You know, when I was in positions in organizations or we we're hiring people, oftentimes people, young people that I would hire when it comes time to ask, you know, the interview questions, when you, when I turn it over to them, say, so do you have any questions for me? Usually, uh, you know, Three out of every four people would say something like, yeah, can you tell me about your training programs and and how you're going to professionally develop me? So, of course, it's important for organizations to invest in their people. But going forward, what you have to do is develop the ability to own your own learning journey. And that does not mean um, uh, going out and taking courses all the time. That's part of it but it's the ability to set regular learning goals and seeking information to help you with those learning goals, applying it, and then reflecting and doing that on a constant basis, almost on a daily basis. Uh, And then lastly, related to this adaptability, this is all related to adaptability, by the way, is the, the new networking skills for this environment, right? Right. We can't go to conferences. There aren't any career fairs that are live, virtual happening. You can't kind of impress people with your charisma, your warm smile and your handshake as much. And it's easy as you could before. But there's a new reality now. And you're not the only ones facing it, by the way. Many people in sales are also experiencing this. But the good news is we're all going through it together. So there's a lot of learning and insights on how you can get through it, which you can then apply. Another opportunity for advantage, if you can take all the learnings that, you know, salespeople are putting in later in their careers to learn how to navigate this time to build networks and build relationships, and you can apply that competitive advantage for you. Because I can guarantee you there's not a lot of uh, graduates coming out of uh, programs that are pulling on lessons that salespeople are learning in their 40s and 50s, right? If you can take those lessons and apply them, you'll be at an advantage. So essentially it's adaptability. So what I want to uh, touch on now, do you know exactly what job or field you want to work in? So forget pandemic, before pandemic, did you have a view in exactly what kind of job or field you wanted to work in? So 67% know uh, exactly what they want to do and what field they want to work in and 33% don't know. Okay. So, I'm kind of going to say here, the people that don't know where they want to work, I might be in a bit of an advantage here, uh, right? And I say that jokingly, but I'll just now come back to my career. When I was uh, coming out of school and when I was in my last year, I had a single focus. I wanted to work in the hotel industry. I wanted to work in the hospitality industry. I I spent my entire final year of university in every class I had, focusing it on some aspect of the hospitality industry. And I was doing a project for my uh, fourth year HR program around recruitment. And I went and I studied the Four Seasons hotel change which, which at the time was like the preeminent luxury hotel chain and used that got access into Four Seasons, met a bunch of people, Interviewed them, wrote a great paper, sent the papers to the senior people at the Four Seasons. I was going to get that job, right? On top of that, like many of you, I'm sure I was an active volunteer. I, uh, extracurricular, I was involved in university. I was running my, helping run my family business. I had a lot of experience going in. So I thought, okay, shoo in, I'm going to get this job. But I told you about the economy. These jobs weren't happening and the the relationships I built at the Four Seasons were crumbling, people were leaving. And so all that investment of time was going into it. So let me tell you where my opportunities were coming. I had one one interesting offer to join the management training program of Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. I had one offer from the man that ran the car dealership, and who bought gas from my dad's gas station, he offered me a position in their parts department. Um, I'll tell you now, neither of those I was very excited about. And and I quite and a bit arrogantly thought to myself, I didn't go to school for four years to run a KFC, right? I didn't go to school for four years to work in an automotive dealership parts department. Um, but then another job came along, which was uh, an offer to join an oil company as a sales coordinator. So I thought, okay, that's good. At least I get to put on a suit. Because I had just finished working for five years in my, at my dad's gas station, and I wore coveralls and got grease underneath my fingernails. And it was hot and sweaty and dirty all the time. And I wasn't interested in doing that anymore. I wanted to put a suit on. I wanted to have a briefcase, right? So, um, I went through the interview process and I discovered that the culture was very toxic, uh, and a number of things that I won't get into detail, but the, the, the guy that was hiring me, really professional, polished, young wonder boy, like he was like exciting. But then the sales managers that interviewed me were using swear words all the time and were basically telling me that my job was to go to the manufacturing plant and pound my fist on the table and say f you where's our product and then go to marketing and say f you you got to invest in marketing our product and i was like that's not me i don't want to be in that kind of work environment so i said no thank you i did not want that job so when i said no to the hr manager he asked me to come see him in his office And he heard me out, and I was honest but professional about the the work environment. He heard me out. He didn't disagree with me, and he said, so what would you do if you were hired and you accepted the job? What would you do to change the environment, right? I was 20-something, and they're asking me what I would do to change the environment, and something switched in my brain. Where I now started to get to be that consultant wearing a suit and saying, here's my three-point plan, right? Same situation, same environment, but different way of looking at it. And after speaking to the hiring manager one more time, he basically aligned with everything I was saying. And I decided career and hospitality industry was my plan. It's what I wanted to do. It wasn't going to work out. Here was an opportunity. And it was an opportunity to learn. And that's how I want you to think about the opportunities in the future, is don't judge the opportunities that you have in front of you based on, um, does this fit with what my plan was for myself? Does this fit with my vision for who I was going to be? Look at opportunities that come your way from the perspective of, how can I use this as a platform for learning? How can I stretch my capabilities? How can I see things that I wouldn't see otherwise? Because one of the things you'll learn as you get on with your career is all the fields that you can study, somehow they're all linked together. And the things that you might learn from going into education are completely applicable to things that you might apply in being an engineer or the things that you might apply in working in HR or that you might uh, working in technology. All the fields come together, right? It's what Steve Jobs called the integration of arts and science. And we're seeing that a lot these days. So grabbing insights information from very, developing many options, right? And it so turned out that that experience and being in the center of the conflict between sales, marketing, manufacturing, and seeing that on a regular basis, Was a remarkable foundation for me to build my career. Up until this day, I'm still drawing lessons from that experience. And so that's one thing I offer you from a perspective of adaptability. Think about the various options. The other thing that was very interesting in this experience was that um, I got a call to report on my first day to work and uh, put on, you know, I got my suit on and my briefcase. Empty briefcase, by the way, there's nothing in it. Uh, And Uh, I went into the, the office, but I was told to report to the manufacturing plant, not the sales office. When I went into the manufacturing plant, I was handed a pair of coveralls to put on. And just remember, I did not want to work with coveralls again. I did not want to get oil underneath my fingernails. Guess what my first week, my job in my first week was, was manufacturing engine oil. I was put on the line to make engine oil. That's comedy of of, of the irony of it all. So I spent a week working with manufacturing, and then I went to the sales office the next week, and they sent me to the warehouse. Here's a pair of coveralls. Um, I had to pick and pack and put orders together and ride on forklifts and do all that stuff. The types of things I did not want to do working in the parts department and KFC, I was doing. And the second week of the job, they had me calling customers and asking them a bunch of questions about what they cared about, what mattered to them. I didn't start my job until week four. And in week four, all hell broke loose, and it was a crazy, toxic environment. But the difference was I had a perspective of what manufacturing cared about, what the warehouse cared about, what customers cared about. So now when the salespeople were asking me to go pound my fist on the table and go ask for this, ask for that, I didn't have to. Because I had a relationship with the manufacturing person, and the warehouse person, and I understood what customers cared about, so I could then use my approach to get what I needed. So, what's the lesson I want to share with all of you? I came out of school with this idea that I wanted to do this one thing, and I wanted to wear a suit, and I wanted to be this person. And it it, it took some time for me to get to a different place, but I got to a different place, and it was the liftoff point for the rest of my career. I got to see and do things. I grew in so many ways with so many different positions in that organization. So I talked about this idea of adaptability, about having multiple options, about ongoing learning, and about um, networking in this new environment. And I wanna suggest that if you embrace these ideas and what I'm about to share with you, um, I think you will be successful. I think you will be differentiated from others that aren't taking this approach. And if you don't, unfortunately, what I think you will experience is frustration. And you might be in a position where you take jobs or opportunities that will not leave you fulfilled in a few years. And you might not catch up, right? Because one of the things that happens during times of of recession is obviously there's not as much hiring, but also for the hiring that does happen, um, the salaries are not as high. And the other the challenge that happens when people are not hiring, at least large companies, you don't get the experiences like you will you would have gotten before of working in an office environment with other people and networking and learning from people. So unless you have a proactive strategy to overcome those things, you will find your career will lag behind. But if you embrace the idea of adaptability and some of the things we'll talk about that you can do, I think you'll be at an advantage and you'll be in a position to thrive uh, as things turn around, but even now you'll be in a position to grow and learn in ways that you wouldn't have been otherwise had you not had that perspective. Like the question the HR manager asked me, changed the way I thought about things. I could have, he could have very easily said, thank you very much, move on. But instead he asked a powerful question that changed my perspective. And that's what I'm hoping that uh, many of you will do is use this opportunity to change your perspective. Uh, and some of you may be already embracing it that way, which is great. But if you aren't, changing your perspective is the way to, to kind of move forward. Make sure you don't say no to opportunities if it didn't fit your, your current perception of what you wanted to do. Take the time to say, okay, what could come out of me taking this opportunity, right? What can I learn? What are the good things that, are, that can come out of it? What can I develop? even if it's an opportunity that's not in your field, even if it's an opportunity that is paying you less than you thought you were you're hoping to, to make. It's about what can you learn now and how can you use that experience. So now I wanna talk about learning cycle. I talked about this idea of you owning your own learning experience. So I wanna release the next uh, quote, uh, a poll question now. I would then say, um, Coming up with multiple options, right? I often get young people calling me and saying, I want to work in this field. Uh, Can you tell me how to get into this field? One example is that because I used to work for Aikon Foundation, I get a, a lot of young people saying, okay, I want to work in international development. Can you tell me how? So I know it's actually very hard to get a job in international development. So I always try to probe and say, why? What is it that you want to get out of that experience? And... Can we brainstorm many other options that could help you get that kind of experience? And so having options is the other thing that I say is really important. Do you regularly listen to any podcast? Let's see what answer comes up. 41% listen to podcasts and 59% don't. Not surprised with those numbers. I I didn't expect the most of you to listen to podcasts, but now I'm going to ask the question of those that said yes, or at least some of you. Can you in chat type your, um, your favorite podcast. So that's great. Keep going. Keep going with these suggestions. And to those that don't listen to podcasts, I would strongly suggest you take note of the ones that are coming up and go check them out. Go listen to them and do it while you're doing something else so that you don't feel like you're, you're wasting time. You can, when you're walking or doing something else, you can listen to a podcast. But I, I wanted to ask that question because there is a huge amount of knowledge out there and available to us now that wasn't before. As people are innovating and coming up with new ideas and perspectives and sharing stories, it's all becoming available to us. And so I want to talk to you about something called the learning cycle. It's something I learned um, as I was doing some of my coaching uh, training. Perhaps people have taken psychology courses and they might have come across this idea before. If you've seen something like this before, just type in. So the learning cycle, set, seek, apply, reflect. Has anybody seen anything like this before? So this is um, what we call um, the virtuous cycle of learning. And the idea is that you set a goal, and I'm going to call that a learning goal, something that you want to be able to do. You seek information. You seek knowledge from podcasts, from blog articles, from conversations with other people, from looking at social media and seeing what other people are saying about various topics. And you seek information. And then you apply, which means you take that information and you try to do something with it. Perhaps you actually do something physically. Perhaps you teach it to somebody else. And once you do that, you then take the time to reflect, reflect. How did it go? What did I do well? What did I not do well? And the idea with virtuous cycles of learning is not to necessarily create these big learning goals, but to make them small. So I'll just give you an example of a learning goal that somebody might somebody might say, somebody might say that I want to get better at using LinkedIn to to build networks. So if that's your learning goal, I want you to type for me here. What are some ways that you can get information or seek information to get better at using LinkedIn? Look at other people's, go on to LinkedIn and look at what other people have done. Excellent. What else? You could attend a session, a course. You could Google how to use LinkedIn, excellent. Read articles, absolutely, right? You get it, right? Um, Lots of sources of insight. I'm sure you could find a podcast out there on how to leverage LinkedIn. So you set the goal, you seek information, and then you do it, right? So if you've studied other people's profiles and you've read an article, and you've attended that session on how to do a LinkedIn profile, then you do it. And then you reflect. Perhaps you share it with others. You ask for feedback. You see if after putting it out there for two weeks, are you having people invite you to join their networks? And then you say, okay, well, how did that go? What can I do different? What can I do better? And then you set a goal. Maybe your next incremental goal is Now that I'm on LinkedIn, I want to set a goal of getting 100 new contacts within the next two weeks. And then you can do a learning. How do you get new contacts on LinkedIn? And then you try it. And then you reflect on how it went. Maybe I only got 50. What could I have done differently? So this is the virtuous cycle of learning. And the beauty of this virtuous cycle of learning is it leverages our own brain chemistry. So when a child learns how to walk, How do they do that? It's ingrained in our our genetics to set goals from a very young age. The child decides, I want to go over there and get that toy. They'll get up to try to get there. They'll fall down. But they feel so excited that they made some progress because the brain has released chemistry that makes them feel excited about what just happened there. And it gives them the chemistry to want to try it again. So they get up and try it again, and they do something different this time. And lo and behold, within a couple of days, that child is able to walk. It's the same chemistry that works for all of us in learning. Once you set the goal, there's a chemistry that released that wants to strive to achieve that goal. Once we gather information, insight, and then we try it ourselves, there's an excitement that's released because we made some progress and we've learned something. And then once we reflect and we experience a bit of success, there's a push to want to do it all over again because we want that feeling again. But that only works if you start the cycle off in the first place by setting the goal and seeking and applying. But once you do that, it'll, the cycle turns itself. And when that cycle turns itself, you basically turn every single day into new learning. And every single day, your knowledge isn't getting incremental. So taking ownership of your learning is a really important part of the future. Not expecting other people to be responsible for giving you learning, but looking for ways to learn yourself and not necessarily from formal mechanisms. Don't ignore formal mechanisms, but seek every single opportunity to learn every day. But through a cycle of setting, seeking, applying and reflecting and building that into your regular day to day. I've got this cycle actually on my whiteboard. Uh, And I just always try to make sure at any given point in time, I've got at least one learning goal that I'm working on. How many of you are on LinkedIn? Oh, there's three questions. Great. Oh, I forgot. We wrote three questions. So answer all the questions. First, do you have a LinkedIn profile? And then how often are you on LinkedIn? Never. Less than once a week or more than once a week. And you post content on LinkedIn. Two thirds have a LinkedIn profile. are never on LinkedIn and another 30% are on once a week and do you post content to LinkedIn. Very few post content and most people don't post content. So this is the how-to portion. I'm going to be very specific here on the things that you can do and they will be very powerful for you. Okay and there's a couple of questions. We'll try to come back to those questions uh, before we wrap up. First of all is recognizing Remember, we talked about there's no certainty. It doesn't mean that people aren't going to try to predict what's going to happen. And some people will be right and some people will be wrong. But how do you access that information? LinkedIn is a very powerful way, if you spend time on it regularly, to see various perspectives on what people are seeing and posting and commenting on. So it's not just about the posts that people put on. It's about reading the reactions and the comments that people are making. On LinkedIn, there's also something called LinkedIn groups, which are special interest groups. So for whatever field you're interested in, you can go join a LinkedIn group. And some of them are private in that you have to be accepted and you fill in some questions, but go do it. it it's, it's, they will accept you. Um, and some of them are just open, anybody can join. For example, the Harvard Business Review one, it's got uh, millions of members, You you have to actually apply and get permission to join it, but everybody's accepted. So then you're getting conversations that are specific to a topic area. So step one is get yourself a LinkedIn profile if you don't already have one. Step two, is start joining some of these groups. Now you will notice once you get the LinkedIn profile, people will start inviting you to connect. Accept everybody. Don't worry about this person or that person. You can always delete them. LinkedIn is a professional place. Accept everyone. And ask people to invite people to connect. If you see somebody that's interesting, just invite them to connect. But when you invite them to connect, don't just, Click connect, type a quick message. Why are you asking that? And saying you have a very interesting profile, I'd love to connect with you is a suitable answer because guess what? People love to hear they're admired by other people. So step one, get a LinkedIn profile. Step two, join some groups. Invite people to connect. Okay, step four. Really important. Comment on other people's posts. Intelligently. You'll notice things that you're interested in. Comment on other people's posts. The best way to grow your LinkedIn network is by engaging. So when you comment with other people's posts, what will happen is other people will say, that's a smart person. Let me look at their profile. And then they will invite you to connect. and you will start building your brand. You'll start positioning yourself as a person that kind of knows something about something and people on LinkedIn, guess what? Nobody is there. I'll say it. Everybody that's there wants to connect. That's why they're there. Right? So you've got this place where millions of people in the world have said, I'm interested in connecting with people. So you don't have to feel bad about asking people to connect. They, they want to connect. And especially if you say something nice about them. Be genuine, obviously. But say something nice about them and you'll see your network grow. Now, as you start engaging with people and you start noticing people whose content is really interesting, and you start noticing people that are liking your content, then you send them messages. And you say, thank you for your comment. I would love to connect with you. Would you be interested in a conversation? And you set up a live conversation with them. I would bet, my, my guess is about one in four people will take you up. Maybe, maybe, worst case, one in 10 will take you up on that. But somebody asked the question here, I think, was, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you new graduates who graduates stand out against those? That is one way to stand out. By, by engaging in LinkedIn, by commenting, by posting good content yourself. And by the way, LinkedIn's algorithm works in your favor. If you share other people's content or an article you read, fine, not a bad thing to do. You should do that. You should share things that you like from other people. But if you post original content, a reflection of yours, something you've learned, something you saw that you wanted to share in your own words, LinkedIn's programming and their algorithm is designed to promote stuff that people put in that's original. So you will get more people seeing it. I have noticed it. I track it. I have taken places where I have um, uh, uh, shared somebody's really interesting Harvard Business Review article and it'll get whatever a certain number of views. But if I post something that said I was talking to this person today, and they said this, and it made me think about this, and I reflected on my own career, and this is what I took away from that conversation. It can be like a paragraph long, but I'll get hundreds of people viewing it and liking it. People that I don't even know will do that. And when they do that, guess what? The people in their network see it as well. And so it's putting yourself out there and sharing your own original ideas. That's how you stand out. And I would tell you that in fact, it's actually much more efficient and effective to stand out that way than it is trying to meet people live virtually, cold, right? You still wanna keep, you wanna connect with people live, right? But obviously in a virtual environment, but it's a great way of filtering your list down and finding the handful of people that are influencers in the spaces that you want to be in. The next thing I want to connect the dots here, we just talked about the learning cycle and you listen to podcasts, you read articles, you go, do your own learning goals is to take those things you're learning and keep a notebook where you're making a note of interesting observations. I try every week as I listen to podcasts or I talk to people, uh, I, I pick up interesting things. I try to make a note every week of the interesting things I've learned that week. And sometimes I use those ideas to actually write my own post. So then you get seen as an expert. But all you're doing is taking insights from other people, things you read, things you hear, and you're packaging them up with your own words and you're putting them out there to share with other people. And that is setting, up, setting you up as a differentiated individual out there that is willing to give and exchange ideas and comment and post and comment on other people's ideas. But I don't wanna downplay the important fact is set a goal for yourself to take some of those people that are interacting. And I'm in the midst of an exercise right, right now myself. I'm going through all the posts that I did in the last you know, three months and I'm picking the people that I've repeatedly liked or commented and I'm reaching out to them separately to invite them to my network or if they're already in my network, asking them if they will have a conversation if they're interested in the conversation. And I said I have a Calendly link. Dude, you guys know what Calendly is? If you don't, search Calendly, Calendly L-Y. You can get a free subscription to set up a calendar link that'll hook into your Google Calendars and you can say to send a note saying, notice your profile. Thank you for your comment. Would love to chat with you for 15 minutes. If you're interested, click on this link to book a time on my calendar. Easiest thing in the world. And no rejection because if somebody doesn't do it, that's fine. But if somebody does do it, how exciting is that, right? And so I'm experiencing that now. And I'm going through that process right now. And it's working. I'm getting, you know, one out of 10 people is doing a meeting with me. And we're having a conversation. Now, the point of doing that is not... I know eventually the point is to get a job, but the immediate point is not to get a job. The immediate point is to make human connection, right? The immediate point is to share ideas, to learn from others. And so one of the things I really wanna wrap up with here as a final point is as you're engaging with people, be more focused on being interested in them and their ideas then focus on appearing interesting yourself. Particularly when we're desperate, and that happens in sales as well, by the way. Particularly when we're desperate, we have this kind of mechanism that kicks in to talk about ourselves, to sell ourselves, to talk about the great thing we did here and the great project we did here and that. Unfortunately, that turns people off. No matter how nice a person you are, it signals the other person that they're asking for something. And when somebody's asking for something, most people will kind of shut down a little bit. So the way to flip that around is instead about trying to appear interesting yourself, be focused on being authentically, authentically curious and interested in them. Ask them a question about their career. Ask them about a challenging project they had. Ask them questions that are open-ended and thought-provoking. Because if you ask them, here's the psychology of it. If you ask them an open-ended question that's thought-provoking, and they have to pause and think about the answer, they're psychologically investing in the relationship with you. Because they're thinking about something you've asked them. And then when they share that answer with you, they're thinking, wow, that was a good question. And then they're sharing the answer with you. And that psychological investment in the relationship is differentiating yourself in that person's eyes. Now, that person there may not have a job. But if they're on LinkedIn and connect with other people, they may know other people that have a job. Right? And so that's the opportunity to do that. Right? Really quickly, step one, develop a profile. Step two, start joining groups, um, commenting on people's posts inviting people to connect, inviting um, them to have conversations with you, share your own original content from things that you're learning and set some specific goals in that regard for you. Use that learning cycle to say, by next week, I want to have a LinkedIn profile. Next week's goal. I want to have hundred contacts or I want to comment on hundred posts. I want to do five posts of my own that are interesting with different ideas over a time frame. Set specific goals and then do them and you'll see the feeling you'll get. You'll start feeling in control. And when you start feeling in control, that sets off positive psychology, positive chemistry, and then you are starting to be that person that is adaptive. And then you're gonna start developing a narrative that when somebody asks you the question, when COVID pandemic hit, what did you do? You're gonna have a story to tell of the different things that you did. That's how you differentiate yourself. Um, I'll tell you the secret here is that it's not about how smart you are, it's not about how strong you are, it's about how adaptive you are. And when you're interacting with people, I'll tell you that being relevant to them beats intelligence every time. So the way to stand out is offer people comments and ideas that are relevant to things they care about. That says you just have to find out what they care about first. So that's a way to differentiate yourself from other people. There might be somebody else that's more experienced, but they might be self-absorbed and interested in themselves. And if you're the person that's more interested in the other person and you're sharing relevant insights with them, that's how you stand out from other people that are more experienced than you. Thank you for listening. I hope that was helpful to you or to somebody that you care about. I wanted to summarize some of the key points here uh, from that webinar. I described six things that they can do to become more adaptable in the future. The first was to be optimistic but be aware of the difficulty in challenge and face it straight in the face. The second was to develop options and not cling to their one idea or their one track for their career plan and to look at many options from the perspective of what can i learn from this and how can i grow third we talked about seeking knowledge from the multiple sources available podcasts articles other people to generate clarity on a regular basis fourth we talked about taking ownership of their own learning journey and using the learning cycle to mobilize their brain's full capability for growth. Fifth, we talked about engaging on LinkedIn by commenting on others, other people's content, by sharing their own ideas, informed by what they've been learning, to grow their network. And sixth, we talked about converting those contacts on LinkedIn into real life conversations and those in those conversations to engage authentically to be curious and to seek to learn from the others again i hope this has helped you and please do share it if it has and if you want to learn more about me or connect with me you can find me on linkedin uh shaquille barmel or on my website at oceanbluestrategic.com. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, or share it. I want to say thank you to one of my favorite bands, Late Night Conversations, for sharing their song Chaos with me and letting me use it in this episode. You can learn more about them on Instagram at lncconnected. And here's more of their song Chaos to take you out.